Chapter Twenty Four of Twenty Minutes Late by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Four. At last, the new toy was nothing more nor less than a phonograph, a machine in which Doctor Forsythe had been deeply interested for some time, and whose mechanical workings he had studied with great care. He now took the deepest interest in explaining in detail, both to Dorothy and Caroline the practical working of this wonderful little instrument, then unlocked its gate, put in a cylinder, turned on the power, and called upon Dorothy to talk to it. "'What shall I say, Papa?' she asked, a pretty pink flush of excitement on her fair cheek. "'Say anything you please, daughter. Speak in your natural tone of voice, just as though you were talking to me, and use any words you please.' You can talk to Mama if you choose, or to Grandmother or Caroline. It will take down every word you utter. Sure enough it did, and was an object of absorbing interest to Dorothy all the morning. Cylinder after cylinder was placed at intervals during the day, and she was permitted to talk to them, to sing in her sweet, clear voice one of her favorite hymns, to recite a poem of which both she and her mother were especially fond, and to say all manner of loving words. It was noticeable that Dr. Forsythe, though he had explained the economy of the invention by showing them how to pair a cylinder after it had once been used and copied, so that it might be used again and again, even to the number of seventy times or more, would carefully set away in a box on an upper shelf every one to which Dorothy had spoken, with directions that they on no account be disturbed to the astonishment and delight of his daughter dr forsythe announced the next morning that he intended to take another play-day i feel a year or two younger on account of this one he said smilingly and i have telegraphed dr boydner that he need not expect me to-day he said i would become so fascinated with the phonograph that i wouldn't be able to tear myself away so he will understand at least one of my reasons Another long, bright day, full of interest and satisfaction to Dorothy, was spent by the little family of which Caroline seemed to herself to have become a part. Mrs. Forsythe, whom the sea breezes had really improved, was able to rest on the couch in the doctor's room and enjoy with them the talking machine, as Dorothy had named it, which did not in the least lose its charm. Later in the day, after the mother had been carried in her husband's strong arms to her own room for a rest, Dorothy and Caroline were alone together. Dorothy had been lying back among the pillows, resting also. Suddenly she roused herself and looked toward the phonograph. "'Caroline, put a cylinder in the talking machine, please. I want to talk a letter to Papa and Mama. I know why Papa doesn't want any of those up on the shelf paired.' He wants to keep his little Dorothy's voice to talk to him next winter. Isn't it nice that he can? Now I will talk a letter to him and Mama that they will not know anything about until some day you will tell them, and it will please them very much. Caroline had no words to answer. Silently she fitted the cylinder into the machine, pushed up the chair for Dorothy, arranged the pillow at her back, turned on the power, and stood waiting to see what she was to do next. "'Now,' said Dorothy, smiling up at her, 
would you just please to go to the other room and leave me all alone a little while i want to talk some words to papa and mamma just for them you know they are good-bye words caroline that i don't know how to say to them because it makes them feel badly but some day they will like to put the cylinder in this machine and hear it say the words in my own voice tears were choking caroline's voice so that she could not answer except by kisses which she left on the two fair cheeks as she moved softly away she waited at the door outside for dorothy's call and presently it came i've finished it said dorothy in a tone of intense satisfaction a nice long talk put it away caroline on the very top shelf and put a little slip of paper inside marked dorothy's talk to papa and mamma i've said some sweet good-bye words to them it is very nice i am so glad papa brought the phonograph down to me so that i could talk to it for them i meant to write a little letter but this is a great deal nicer isn't it caroline because they can hear my voice say the words now let us go to mamma's room and see the sunset there will be a lovely sunset tonight i think those clouds over there are beginning to reflect it already in a few moments more she was cosily settled on a couch in her mother's room her head resting on the pillow beside her mother's one hand clasped in her father's and her face turned toward the glowing west it was a wonderful sunset unlike any which caroline had ever remembered before they talked about it for a few minutes called one another's attention to the lovely gold the glowing crimson with its background of violet shading into even darker hues and the clouds took strange shapes like castles and towers burnished with gold there's a door said dorothy suddenly her eyes fixed on the glory the door of heaven and it is wide open it looks as though there were angels standing in the door beckoning do you see them papa look mamma look caroline angels and angels ever so many of them right in the door and all about it ah there they have gone and the door is shut she was still again they were all very still a strange hush seemed to have fallen upon them broken first by the sound of a stifled sob for grandmother was crying a moment more and dr forsythe arose turned on the gas which had been but a faint glimmer and bent over dorothy she lay just as she had when the twilight began face close to her mother's on the pillow one hand clasped in hers but dr forsythe bending low till his lips touched hers said tremulously our darling has gone in and the door is shut there was a sad journey back to philadelphia carrying with them the precious body whose soul went home in that twilight when to her the doors of heaven seemed to open and the angels came to meet her those had been sad anxious days which followed mrs forsythe shocked by the blow with which all her preparation had at last come suddenly for a few days sank rapidly and it seemed for a time as though she too was going away but she rallied and tried bravely to take nourishing food and to sleep and rest and not wear out her heart with weeping i must not go yet she said to caroline with a faint smile it would be too hard for the doctor he cannot spare dorothy and me both at once 
Dorothy would want me to stay and comfort him. I must try to grow strong. Once during those trying days had Dr. Forsythe paused in his busy, anxious life to lay a kind hand on Caroline's shoulder and say earnestly, Child, you are a comfort to us. I hardly see how we could have gone without you. It will be a blessed memory to us always that you were with our little girl to the last moment. Went to the very door with her. We can never forget it, Caroline. You have a blessed mother, I know, and no one must step in and take her place. But next to her, my child, think of Dorothy's father and mother as your own. You will always be to us a dear older daughter. For your own sake, as well as for the sake of the one you loved, we shall delight to plan for you as if you were indeed our very own. Mrs. Forsythe said it differently. Caroline was one evening arranging the pillows, just as some way she had a talent for doing, and Dorothy's mother reached up, put a fair arm around her neck, drew her head close down to the pillow, and said, Dear little girl, Dorothy's Caroline and my Caroline. Love us for her sake, won't you? You must go home very soon. That is right, of course. It is hard to have kept you so long. But when you have had a good long rest and visit, come back to us, dear. Think of your school duties and home life with us. Pet me instead of Dorothy, dear. I need it. We cannot try to get along without you, and I am glad there is no need, for you should be in school, and there are no better ones than we can offer you. At last the morning came, and the hour and the moment, when Caroline Bryant was actually seated in the Philadelphia train on her way home, whirling over the road which she had travelled, a desolate little girl, so many months before. How different everything looked to her! How utterly different everything was! She thought of that forlorn little girl, in a torn, soiled dress that had done duty all day in the woods, in a pair of heavy shoes much the worse for wear, gloveless, and without wraps or baggage of any sort. What a different picture was the trim maiden who occupied a seat in the parlor car, clothed from head to foot in the most becoming and appropriate of traveling costumes, hat and gloves and all her belongings matching exquisitely, and at her side a modern traveling bag carefully stocked with every convenience that a young traveler could possibly need. Conductor Brinker made many stops at her seat, opened her window for her or closed it, drew down the shade or put it up as occasion suggested, and did everything he could think of for her comfort. But there was a respectful air about it all, an air of deference such as he showed to ladies. He even called her Miss when he brought her some bright flowers which she had caught sight of by the roadside and admired. Caroline smiled and answered promptly, I am just Caroline, Mr. Brinker. Don't call me anything else. Here is a paper of bonbons which I wish you would take to Daisy and Bobby. I was going around to say goodbye and leave them, but I hadn't time, so I thought I would bring them along and give them to you. Great was Conductor Brinker's pleasure at this. Bobby would be tickled to death, he declared. He remembered her, of course he did. He talked about her for days after the last time she was there. And Daisy was very well, getting to be a right good smart girl, her father said. Goes to school regular as clockwork, 
means to grow up a smart lady like her caroline and he smiled broadly as the day wore away and the train neared the familiar station which meant home and mother and ben and little daisy to this homesick heart caroline had much to do to maintain her dignity she felt at times as though she must tell all the passengers her story how she had gone to philadelphia oh ever and ever so long ago without any intention on her part and stayed without any expectation of doing so and been sidetracked a great many times when she was about to start for home but now she was really and truly within three miles of home however she did nothing of the kind but sat erect with her cheeks growing pinker and pinker and looked steadily out of the window they passed the junction which had caused her so much trouble without so much as a halt the sun was set and the street lamps were being lighted as they rolled into the station at last she was home outside were mother and ben and daisy and mr holden and mrs kedwin and fanny and rufus she could see them every one even before the train stopped she tapped on the window and fluttered her handkerchief and ben caught a glimpse of it before she could make her way to the platform he was beside her what a homecoming was that my darling said mrs bryant folding both her arms about her and giving her such a long long kiss that daisy felt as though her turn were never coming my darling we have you indeed why line bryant said fanny kedwin how you are rigged up dear me i should think you were going to a party but caroline was being smothered in daisy's arms hearing her soft tremulous voice murmur my line and had no ears for fanny kedwin they came over that evening fanny and rufus with their mother the children had to come said mrs kedwin i told them they ought to stay away one night and give you a chance to visit with your folks but they were that crazy to see you that they couldn't give it up my sakes line but you have grown into a fine lady sure enough fine feathers make fine birds that's a fact they have got good taste i'll say that for them and you are a pretty girl anyhow clothes look well on you caroline laughed and blushed while ben gravely gave it as his opinion that clothes looked pretty well on most people are you going back there asked fanny a little later as caroline obliged herself to go away from her mother's side and sit down by the young folks for a little talk say line ben says you are going back there are you yes said caroline i am going back to school the schools are splendid there you know and i am to go through complete my education and graduate if i want to oh my sakes said fanny what luck i think as much said rufus say you folks do you know that it is exactly a year ago to-day that we went nutting that's a fact said ben considering for a moment line it took you a whole year to get home from a nutting excursion just think of it and only think of all the things that have happened since said rufus i tell you what it is line bryant i am the one to be thanked for all your feathers ruffles and watches and i don't know what not if it hadn't been for me going off that night leaving you asleep and all that it wouldn't any of it ever have happened i never thought of that before 
all the good luck you have had this year has come through me you were never willing to take the blame before said ben laughing if you hadn't put her on the wrong train the going to sleep wouldn't have done any harm but never mind it's all over now she's got back if it has taken her a long time to do it caroline's smile came through a mist of tears she could not talk so glibly of all that had happened as they could the year had been full of blessing to her and it seemed to her that she could never be grateful enough for having known and loved her dorothy but the pain of parting from her and of doing without her was too recent for her to be able to laugh and talk cheerily of all the happenings of that year i suppose they gave you lots of things said fanny not being able to get away from the practical part of the matter is that your best dress you travelled in oh my sakes a nicer one than that well they spent lots of money on you that's a fact caroline was silent and half indignant how rude and unrefined and almost coarse this old friend of hers had grown the year seemed not to have changed her in the least for the better she had had in mind to tell them about the beautiful soft white dresses and blue dresses and wraps and hats which with loving thoughtfulness mrs forsythe had sent to daisy they are all my dorothy's things she had said when she took the key of the large trunk from under her pillow and handed it to caroline they will just fit your daisy i cannot have them lie and grow yellow and creased and moth-eaten perhaps because my darling has gone to heaven and will need them no more i would a great deal rather daisy had them besides she wanted it so she sent them to daisy herself that was one of the messages in her letter caroline caroline had thought to tell about the letter given to the talking machine and to describe some of the pretty things in the trunk and tell them how sweet dorothy had looked in them but Fanny's sordid views and disagreeable ways of talking closed her lips. She felt sure that they would not understand. "'You are great folks for luck,' said Rufus with a sigh. "'I always said so, and if this year doesn't prove it, I don't know what does. To think that because that train was twenty minutes late, all this should have happened.'" End of chapter 24 End of Twenty Minutes Late by Pansy. Recording by Tricia G. Thanks for listening.